Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And Connor, I think we've got a couple of intriguing questions uh, for oh, folks do to we? stick their metal teeth into. Do people have metal teeth? Probably. Yeah. Sure. Maybe. No. You're, you're giving me the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Uh, here's question number one. Uh, will Dick Cheney be charged with murder? Ah, uh, God, I hope so. Well, now that's because you're not a Republican, Connor. <laughs> but I don't know you're looking at it really fairly and objectively. Um, so... People may think it's a ridiculous question. It is kind of, but I think it'll be interesting to answer the question right now. Fun, at least. Will Dick Cheney be charged with murder? Question number two, will Tom Girardi be convicted? And if so, will he ever be sent to prison? And in addition to our two big questions, we'll, of course, play America's favorite game show, Guess the Verdict, uh, where Connor gets to uh, guess the outcome of a case. And uh, this one is actually just from a few days ago. Oh, yeah, I'll give you a little tease, Connor. This is a, the case of the juror who punched himself in the face. <laughs> so, okay. That's the guess the verdict. And finally, uh, we're going to have kind of overtime on, on Bill Maher's real time. It'll be a post-game rant time. I've got a little rant on balloon gate. I just coined the phrase balloon. Yeah. Gate. Nice. Uh, so, on to the questions. Uh, will Dick Cheney be charged with murder? So short answer, Connor, is no, he won't be charged with murder. But it's kind of an interesting, fun topic to get into. Now, you might say, well, gee, Vice President Dick Cheney, eight years as esteemed vice president under George W. Bush. He certainly um, did periodically get steamed. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you and think the texture of his skin murder? does well, look like he was steamed. So here's the deal. Um, 16 years ago, uh, while he was vice president in 2006, Dick Cheney went hunting for quail in Texas. Apparently, there are a lot of wild quail that, you know, try to kill smaller animals. I don't know, but people love to shoot quail. And he accidentally shot his friend, Harry Whittington. Bird shot pellets at his face and a couple of other spots on his body. And poor Harry actually suffered a minor heart attack due to a pellet landing near his heart. But after a week in hospital... In the hospital, I said hospital, Connor. Only British people say hospital. Yeah, like a European, a filthy European. Yeah, I meant to say the hospital. After right, a weekend, the hospital, Harry Whittington went home saying, you'll love this, Connor. He said, hey, accidents happen. 
Now, is this guy a mensch or what? Yeah, that's pretty nice. Oh, yeah, really, if only really. if only Harry had been quicker on the draw and we had gotten to see Dick get shot in the face. That would have been <laughs> what everyone really wanted. And and people, of course, of a certain age will remember there were many wonderful jokes about the shooting. Jay oh, yeah. Leno's joke was uh, Dick Cheney is promoting a new cologne called Duck. <laughs> that's high, high quality humor. And Bill Gates even got into the act. He was giving a speech the next day. So he opened the speech by saying, I'm glad to be here. My other invite was to go quail hunting with Dick Cheney. So everybody yucked it up while poor Harry lay in the hospital, the hospital bed with a heart attack. So here's the punchline, Connor. It's not super funny here, but poor Harry Whittington has died, but he got to age 95. So 95 is a pretty good run, right? That ain't bad. So the question is, is Dick Cheney responsible legally for the death of Harry Whittington? And you say, Royal, are you crazy? Before you declare me crazy, consider the case of somebody who actually was declared crazy. Crazy John Hinckley, who shot Ronald Reagan in 1981 and shot Reagan's press secretary, James Brady. Right. Brady died 35 years later, Connor. And prosecutors at the time evaluated whether to charge Hinckley with Brady's murder. So the question is, if you 35 years later, yes. And the prosecutors seriously took a run at this and they decided against it, but they looked at it. And the reason is, if you harm somebody and they die much later, sometimes there's a basis to charge them. Sure. Now, in Brady's case, a medical examiner coroner concluded that James Brady's death 15, 14 years after the shooting uh, was, in fact, caused by the bullet wound of 35 years earlier that, that was the other date uh what had to do with harry right so his left arm was paralyzed his left leg was paralyzed but there is this rule called a year and a day law saying no murder charges may be brought if death occurs more than a year after the attack but that that law doesn't apply everywhere so from from your perspective connor what do you think? And I'm, I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't come to a conclusion based on the fact that you're not technically a Republican. That I'm frothing at the mouth to see Dick Cheney behind bars for literally yeah, any purpose. Charging yeah. Dick Cheney with the death of poor Harry Weddington, does that make any sense at all to uh, somebody like you? It's an interesting law school st- you know, classroom style hypothetical, I think. I think this does a good job of highlighting the ridiculousness of what the legal system looks like in a state, because it is state law, because uh, murder and other you know crimes like murder, uh, generic forms of crimes like murder are governed by state law, which means they're different in every state, which means you have a year and a day law in some states, but not in others. And the ridiculousness of the, the outcomes that you might see if you don't have a law like that, as some states don't, is that you could have somebody die. I mean, if you hit somebody with your car or your boat or whatever, I don't know. I'm sure lots of our listeners have boats, probably, I guess. Um, but the Royal Oaks half of the listeners have boats. The Connor Oaks half of the listeners have dinghies. Um, but the if you hit somebody with your dinghy um, and uh, you they, they are mortally wounded, but it takes them a week to pass, then you're still – it doesn't matter how good the doctors are. Why are you, you know – penalizing the uh the person uh, uh and, the, and the prosecutors in the state from getting their 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 justice uh, just because your doctor was really good and got you an extra week or a month or even six months i mean mm-hmm. if somebody loses their leg and gets an infection and battles that infection for a you know 364 days and then dies it's a very easy 
uh, argument for a, a prosecutor to make and for a jury to see the connection between this guy, uh, you know, being hurt in the accident and then dying or hit, hurt in the murder or whatever and then dying. The year and a day rule is a good cutoff. You know, it vindicates the uh, the the need for a society to have just finality to things. You know, when right. things when things uh, the time moves on, witnesses need to move on with their lives and be able to forget things and and just 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 put the past behind them. Evidence grows stale. You know, you need to have cutoffs. It's why we have statutes of limitations generally. But then we say, hold up. There's no statute of limitations specifically on murder. Now, murder in all jurisdictions has no statute of limitations, as far as I understand. It's as possible, actually, there's a state out there where murder, where murder has some sort of statute of limitations. I don't, sure, a, I don't know. A soft on crime state. Yeah, some filthy liberal soft on crime state where they allow lots of people to run around committing murders. Maybe so, San Francisco it, County? Oh, yeah, definitely. Marin, it's all about Marin. So it's... Uh, it's a it's a tough call. You you we have no statute of limitations on murder specifically. So therefore, theoretically, and and here's my guess, Connor. There must be a Democrat coroner out there who's willing to say that Harry expired as a result of Dick Cheney's uh, birdshot. Sure. I mean, everything goes into the calculus, and maybe he died a week before he would have if he hadn't had this traumatic thing and a, a heart attack and all this. Sure, that shortens your lifespan. But we don't really put people on trial generally for a reduction in somebody else's lifespan. No, we don't think of them as, oh, well, you did something to somebody and they're going to live 20 years less because we don't have that sort of calculus. But, but on the he, back end, you can see that, oh, he did live 20 years less than he should have, than the national average, than whatever. Right. And then he died of a heart condition based on the fact he had a heart attack after Dick Cheney shot him. So, yes, lock him up. Lock him well, up. This is, another, this is another example where the advance of medical science has an impact on law. And we've seen it, of course, in abortion and, yeah. and, and you know, the right to die and, you know, all sorts of situations where some maybe somebody is technically alive because they're on some sort of tube. But this started, as I understand it, back in English common law centuries ago, where a death was presumed not to be murder if the death happened over a year later, the origin of the year and a, a day deal. But medical science advanced, and in some cases, I mean, people are kept alive for a long time, but then die pretty clearly because of the attack. So it's yeah. it's it's a uh, it's a tricky uh, it's a tricky legal concept, and I think what we should really take from this, whether or not he gets uh, prosecuted, he won't be, uh, <laughs> is that uh, that uh, we need to we need to keep the Dick Cheney jokes coming. I think that that is sort of the <laughs> lifeblood of American political discourse. And without them, without lampooning these people, uh, we we lose something. There's something truly American about that. And now all we have is Trump, who is so much of a joke that he makes himself the butt of uh, your joke before you can tell it. And that's why <laughs> anti-Trump jokes just suck so bad, because he's already a clown. What are you going to make fun of a clown? His, his big well, shoes, his nose? He's already hilarious. You can't the, do it. The fact he and 17 of his friends Friends that came out of the same car. So, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's, ir it's ironic, Connor. The, the, actually, the same uh, Lolita Express. But yeah. It... <laughs> okay. Uh, it's ironic now that I'm thinking of it. It just popped into my little head that actually. Oh, your head's huge. Well, thank you. Uh, a more serious uh, murder potential charge was actually considered by some people um, against George W. Bush, Dick Cheney's boss, the, the president. prosecution of George why. W. Bush for murder. Exactly. Vincent Bugliosi, 
who wrote the Helter Skelter book. He prosecuted Charles Manson and the other Manson family members. He wrote the biggest selling true crime a book in the history of the world called Helter Skelter. He then later wrote a book, several, but one of them was, as you just quoted, the prosecution of George W. Bush for murder. And his argument was that Bush got us into the Iraq war, uh, even though he knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. He just wanted to you know, vindicate dad. And it's not fair that dad's no longer president, but Saddam Hussein is still running the show in Iraq. And so he made the case and he was urging some you know, district attorney in Midland, Texas, or any local area where George Bush uh, hangs out to prosecute him. And of course, it, it didn't catch on. Uh, I don't know if you read uh, a book. If you did, it took you months to do uh, another book that Vincent Bugliosi wrote uh, in which he evaluated the conspiracy theories involving the shooting of John F. Kennedy. And he oh, that's a famous that one. Yeah. Eighteen hundred pages <laughs> that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. He basically debunked every single theory. So he was a he's a very intense guy. He's passed. Yeah. Uh, he's passed on now. But uh, he, he was quite a successful author. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break and come back to question two, which is, will Tom Girardi be convicted of stealing a bunch of money from clients? And if so, will he ever be sent to prison? But first, Connor's going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform uh, you prefer. Uh, that's probably Apple Podcasts, could be Stitcher, could be Spotify, could be Podcast Addict. And on each of those platforms, we've got a different rating. And on each of those platforms, we've got a different comment page. And we would love your comments and your ratings and your downloads on each of our podcast platforms. Uh, it would make us feel warm and fuzzy inside and uh, fake uh, cheese our numbers up. Who doesn't love to cheese the numbers up a little bit? Maybe cream cheese, maybe you know, Gouda, who knows, whatever. Um, yeah, so check us out, and we'd appreciate it. I had no idea cheese was a verb, but we <laughs> learn a lot in, in Too Many Lawyers podcast. We will be right back. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm you might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hello, Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, our second question is, will Tom Girardi be convicted? Uh, and if so, will he ever be sent? Fuck him up. Wait, no, hold on. That's left over from Dick Cheney. Sorry, sorry. So for those who haven't followed the Tom Girardi saga, I'll just give a quick background. Um, he was a legendary plaintiff's lawyer. He was the Aaron Brockovich lawyer. He made $111 million from, from one case alone. He, Not bad. He, his wife, uh, Erica Jane, was on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Uh, he had a radio show. He was the Democrat whisperer. He, he was an advisor and a donor, a big donor, to many, many Democrats over the decades. But then came the fall. Uh, according to his accusers, and now the government, he's been indicted in Illinois and California, stole like 18 million bucks from widows and orphans and so on. Uh, he's in an assisted living memory care facility in Orange County. He's 83 years old. So the question is, does this guy who is alleged to have done all of these awful things, does he get convicted uh, given his state of mind? He has a doctor who says he has Alzheimer's. And even if he could be convicted, even if he didn't have uh, mental state problems over the last many years when he allegedly did this stuff, 
uh, well, what about right now? If he is a gonzo right now in terms of mental state, is it fair to put him on trial? Um, so from where you sit, Connor, uh, I know you followed the story. Uh, what do you think uh, the guy's chances are? I think what the judges said is I'm going to have an independent shrink, take a look at Tom, give me a report, and uh, we'll, we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, my attitude on this is I think the attitude of a lot of people uh, who look at these sorts of situations and say, oh, a rich and powerful man hired some very good lawyers. And all of a sudden, the, the moment that he's on trial, suddenly he's got terrible mental uh, incapacity that makes it impossible for him to participate in his defense. And and there was really no indication that he was failing or uh, mental issues uh, prior to the case. Uh, until suddenly you have a bunch of witnesses uh, popping out uh, who are, you know, friends of his, basically supporters of his uh, who, you know, want the the jury uh, or the judge in this case, because the judge makes this sort of a determination before it ever would get to a jury uh, to believe that he, uh, you know, was a, su- was a super great guy. Of course, everybody agrees on that until the moment when his brain was started to go. And now he just he just can't participate and he should get this cushy uh, situation. Well, at least semi cushy situation uh, where he's in a hospital uh, instead of being in jail. Very convenient. So I think that uh, most people, the average person off the street, looks at this with extreme uh, incredulity. Uh, I think judges are a little too credulous uh, of of these sorts of claims, especially when they come from uh, the rich and powerful. Uh, I think uh, that, unfortunately, Girardi's got the best legal representation. Hard, odd to say that's unfortunate, but you know what I mean. He's got such good legal representation that we are in danger of not getting vindicated our, uh, you know, rightful um uh, justice in this situation when a guy like Tom takes advantage of his power and influence uh, and uh, reputation and uh, beats up on the little guy. And I think well, that's tragic. It's, it's probably going to be a battle of the experts. I mean, I, w- I was kind of laying it out a minute ago. There are really two separate issues. First issue, how was his mind when he was allegedly stealing money? Right. If he was not competent then. He might beat the rap. Because, you know, if you don't really know what you're doing, if you've got early onset Alzheimer's or whatever, and you do a bunch of bad stuff, you might not, they might not get a conviction because, you know, these are yeah. intent crimes. You have to prove that you really meant to do it. A problem for Tom maybe is that you can get a shrink to say, well, yeah, he was gone a decade or more ago, but he, that shrink probably didn't examine him or treat him back then or throughout right. that period. And many witnesses will probably be available from the last, say, five or six years to say what they observed. And interestingly, Connor, Tom gave a lecture oh, a few years ago, right before everything blew up, mm-hmm. and there, people supporting him are pointing to that lecture because he made a comment. You know, he's big on trial tactics and so on. He had such an incredible trial career. When he said something in the lecture, he was telling lawyers how to handle jury selection, the voir dire process, and opening statements. And he said, when you're preparing your opening statement, read the voir dire. And then he repeated that exact sentence uh, you know, a few paragraphs later. That's not a thing. You don't read the voir dire. Now, maybe That's you could interpret that to gibberish, mean, you know, yeah. rely on, think about what you learned in the voir dire, but read the voir dire. I've been trying cases for 43 years. I've never heard anybody utter that sentence. And the possibility exists that when he gave that lecture, even though it sounds like he's doing fine, he's giving a lecture to other lawyers, he may have been on his way out. It's kind of like Ronald Reagan. The people in hindsight pointed to comments he made toward the end of his presidency and certainly a- after in the few years, first few years after. And they say, yeah, that, that's evidence. 
So it's possible, Connor, that that there will be some evidence that he wasn't competent back then. I think his better chance, though, is issue number two. How's his mind now? He's got a, a psychiatrist to say, okay, he's got Alzheimer's. I, I'm not an expert on it, but I've heard that there are some blood tests that can give some markers to suggest that, yes, we see Alzheimer's. But other than that, and that may be a long shot for Tom, um, if, if, if that came through for him, basically, it's just tests. You show up in the psychiatrist's office, and you, you take written tests, you talk to them, and who knows? How do you know that this is actually accurate? I mean, I know from your perspective, you, you deal with uh, plaintiffs who claim injuries, sometimes mental injuries. Oh, and, yeah. you know, there can be some malingering. There can be some exaggeration. And it isn't always easy to figure out whether somebody's faking it or not. Oh, no, it's very, very difficult in, in many situations. It, you're left uh, kind of at a loss um, because... Because a lot of these things are, by their nature, um, uh, in internal, right? Somebody's saying uh, that uh, that they have this this condition that it you know it gives them depression. Well, we can look, we can do tests of biomarkers of depression, but they're not definitive. They're not going to say yes, this person has depression. They're going to say this person is more genetically likely to develop depression or Alzheimer's. Yeah, it's a or subjective it's, thing by and large. Really, it's really, really, really tough. A blood test thing, right? yeah. So, you know, it's funny, I, in my experience, uh, I found a couple of ways where you can kind of catch people uh, uh, cheating and, and faking. Uh, one way is there are certain tests you, you administer and uh, they are two false, yes, no, 100 questions or whatever. And a monkey would score 50 percent mm -hmm. because the monkey would just, you know, at random pick unless it's a really smart monkey, you know, the kind that's going <laughs> to Shakespeare on the typewriter. Yeah. Wait a minute. We, we wouldn't give them a typewriter. We'd give them a computer. That's but true. anyway, some people who want to convince everybody, oh, I'm in horrible shape mentally, they fake bad, and they come up with 10 or 20% score on a 50-50 on a test where a monkey would do 50%. That's evidence. But, you know, is somebody really going to make that mistake? The other thing is when you question somebody in a deposition or trial or whatever about the mental state, and sometimes they're so eager to convince you that they were in horrible shape they exaggerate wildly because in their mind, well, the worse off I make my sound, yeah. myself sound, the more money I'm going to get. And so you right. ask them, well, okay, I've got a bunch of symptoms here. And if you had these and you ask them about 20 symptoms and they say yes to all of them. And what do you know? Well, how bad is each symptom? Is it mild, moderate, or severe? Oh, they're all severe. Well, how long does it have? You know, how frequent is it? Oh, it's constant. And you end up with a pile of clearly bogus answers. Yeah. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen in Tom's case. Frankly, you know, he, he's a, a really smart guy. And so if he doesn't really have the Alzheimer's that people uh, are, are saying he has, um, then you know, it, it's, it's hard to know how it's going to play out. But the bottom line is, as I said a minute ago, I think it's going to be a battle of the experts. Each side, the prosecution and the defense can have their own expert, but I think the judge will give a little more weight to the independent shrink because he doesn't really have, or she doesn't really have a motivation to lie. Right, right. All right, we have uh, reached the point, Connor, where we're going to get to guess the verdict right after our final uh, break. And the guess the verdict uh, story is about the juror who punched himself in the face. <laughs> I can't wait. Stick with us. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts 
to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, did you know that truth is stranger than fiction? I've heard that. Well, here's proof, okay? It's not easy being a juror in a court case, right? Lots at right. stake, lives in the balance. Oh, Maybe yeah. you're not real comfortable with the subject matter. You know, it's about nuclear waste and you don't know beans about it. So <laughs> stress can creep in, right? It's not easy being a juror. At least that's what I'm told. It really crept in in a Washington state case just the other day. Uh, a gentleman by, name, by the name of Artir Norman was charged with assault. And so the jury's deliberating and they got heated. One juror reportedly was leaning toward the defense, but his fellow jurors who were leaning toward the prosecution, sounds kind of like 12 angry men with Henry. His fellow jurors reported to the judge that the one guy leaning toward the defense became overwhelmed during deliberations and punched himself in the face twice. Now, twice to me is the big clue. I mean, because you can accidentally punch yourself in the face once. I mean, we've all done that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have definitely attempted to zip up a jacket in uh, with, a, with a zip up front and uh, accidentally smack myself in the face more than once. Does, yeah. Does that say something about my physical coordination? Yes. Does that say something <laughs> about me being some sort of friggin' nerd from a 90s movie? Probably yes. <laughs> but it's happened. It happens to all of us. So, you know, stuff happened. So, yeah. um, so he punched himself in the face. That was enough for the judge. The judge says, you're out of here. The idea was the other jurors couldn't feel comfortable deliberating, frankly, for fear he might, you know, punch somebody punch else in the face. Yeah. So the alternate comes in and what do you know? It's 12-0 to convict. We want to go home, go to the ballgame. Uh, so the defendant appeals and the appeals court said, you know, that was unfair by the judge. The judge should not have kicked that one guy off. I mean, he was the one defense guy. That was wrong, right? You know, right. you 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 want... <laughs> so, the jurors, the, the jurors take, as given to the, uh, uh, the judge about the harassment, uh, this one juror, he said, I reacted with an emotional outburst of punching myself in the face. This has happened in the past when I get into a high-stress situation. I've self-harmed in the past, but it hasn't happened in years. That being said, I still consider myself of sound mind and ability to continue going forward with the case. I mean, yeah. So, so um, now the Court of Appeals says, you know, you shouldn't have kicked him off. The government, Connor, appealed that ruling to the state Supreme Court. Whoa. Up in Washington state. So now the question for you, guess the verdict. What did the Washington state Supreme Court do? Did they agree with the intermediate court of appeal that said, hey, you judge, you shouldn't have kicked off this one guy. You know, so he punched himself in the face or who has they uh, agree with it. This is a really, really good one. I think this is one of the best guess the verdicts we've had in a long time. (laughs) I think it's really close. Intriguing. Right. I mean, we don't know what it means when somebody punches themselves in the face. Did they do this out of frustration as a as a show of anger or display of their sincerity or sincere belief in their position? I mean, nobody who didn't care about the situation would punch themselves in the face. Is it, did this person simply lose emotional control? Right. And does somebody who loses emotional control for a moment or in the moment, is that person not trustworthy to make sound, rational decisions 
when it comes to being on the jury. I think we would all fail the test of is this the perfectly rational person who deserves uh, who who you know the defendant deserves to have on the jury if you're if you're if your test for who deserves to be on a jury is that you're some sort of uh, above it all blindfolded uh, lady in a uh, in a white sheet um, uh, with one boob hanging out which I think is <laughs> is what we all aspire to be obviously and when we com- uh, com- conclude our jury service but it, we're all flawed right we all make mistakes and somebody who has an emotional outburst what if somebody is in the jury room and he just yells right what if somebody in the jury room breaks down crying right maybe these are better indicators of a, a lack of mental health and stability but that doesn't mean that they're not members of the general population who overall make rational decisions mm-hmm. i mean frankly i think that this guy got the short end of the stick and i am hopeful that and i think that the washington state uh, supreme court probably said yeah, this trial court might have really just wanted this case to end and kicked out the the one defense juror. So I think that this guy is a rational human being who just had an emotional outburst and he gets back uh, or he never going to get back on the jury. That's not how it works. But uh, the, the the Supreme Court probably sides with uh, the face puncher. The Supreme Court reversed the Court of Appeals decision. The Court of Appeals had said he shouldn't have been kicked off. You should have let him stay. The Supreme Court said, no, it was a good thing to kick him off. Oh, my This gosh. guy, you know, just didn't have it all together. So <laughs> what are you going to do? What a shame. What a shame. It's it, Washington Supreme Court. It's one of my 50 top Supreme Courts. So oh, yeah. Really? Around the That's idea. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I promised Connor um, a post-game rant on Balloon Gate. I don't know what your take on this is, but. Hit me. All we heard about was, we can't shoot the balloon down over Montana. Why? Who knows what might happen? I'll tell you what happens. The jet fighter who's shooting him out looks down and sees three cows <laughs> in 800 square miles, shoots down the balloon. You get the, the balloon and all of the tech stuff in the pasture, and you analyze it. Is, is it better, really, to let it float over the ocean? And so now... The divers are, are, are freezing their asses off going down 800 feet trying to get this stuff out of the Atlantic Ocean. So if I were running the show, I would have gotten a giant you know, 15-foot needle, punctured the balloon, maybe puncture it just a little, let it softly fall on the Billings, Montana General Store. Yeah. Am I crazy, Connor, or no, what's I, your take on this? I think you're absolutely right. There's not enough in Montana to, to worry about, and in, or in Alaska. Uh, we should probably just cut them loose and let them float out to sea. Well, you know, anytime, anytime I can, uh, I can criticize our esteemed President Joe Biden. I'm uh-huh. take the opportunity to do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now it must have been a tough guy. I'm sure he got all sorts of conflicting advice in terms of let's shoot it down now. Right. Yeah. Well, let's of course. shoot it down later. Let's shoot it over the over the land, over, right. over the water. But I don't know. To me, I just wouldn't worry about Wyoming uh, debris falling down in Wyoming. Nobody's living there except the two senators uh, who represent them. Yeah, I think the Grand Tetons will be just fine. Did you know that Grand Tetons means uh, boobs, just like Lady Justice? Because no. some guy who named the mountains looked at him and said, that looks like a lady lying <laughs> on her back and the boobs pointing up. And everybody else with him said, uh, hey, buddy, I know you speak French, and thus are French, and thus are saying Grand Tetons, but you can't just name our mountain range the big boobs. And he said, I'm French, I can do what I want. You learn so much on too many lawyers <laughs> and you get foreign accents too all right we've done it another episode of the books we'll see you all next week on too many lawyers 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.